Welcome to All Things Health and Abundance podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss different health-related issues and come with real tips and advice. Today we'll be talking about depression. What is it like living with depression? What is depression? And what can we do to heal it? That's what we'll be discussing today. So today with me is Joanna Pacho. She's a psychotherapist having her own clinic in Tirana. And she's also teaching at the Tirana University in the Department of Psychology. So Joanna, I'm really happy you're again here with us. We have already recorded an episode about anxiety mm-hmm. where Joanna is coming with a lot of tips about that. So if you have missed that, just go back and listen to it. This episode, as I said earlier, is about depression. So Joanna, can you explain a little bit what is depression? So depression is a common and a serious medical illness which negatively affects how we feel, the way we think and how we act. It causes a lot of feelings of sadness, a loss of interest in activities we once used to enjoy and it can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. It can also decrease the ability to function, to work and also to interact in the social everyday life. What are the most common symptoms of depression? How do we know that, for example, someone is depressed? Okay, so feeling sad or having, let's say, a depressed mood or being low, it's the first and the most common symptom of depression. But this doesn't mean that everyone that is feeling low or is sad is depressed, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be also associated with other feelings such as losing interest or pleasure in activities, having trouble sleeping or even sleeping too much. It can be associated with loss of energy, increased fatigue also, changes in appetite. Some people do gain or lose a lot of weight, which are unrelated to dieting. People do not engage anymore in physical activity. They have an ability to sit still, to pace, to ride. They do slow movements of speech also. People also might feel worthless, guilty, like having no purpose, no meaning in their life. And of course, this is also related with doing practically nothing, just staying at home most of the time and not engaging in any activity with, uh, with other people. Also, they have difficulty in thinking, in concentrating, inability to make decisions, lower self-esteem and self-depreciation. It's a mix of symptoms which correlate with each other to on which we decide whether a person is having a major episode of depression or not. So in overall, it's sadness, hopelessness, pessimism that combine with each other and make a person unable to fully function and enjoy and interact with the overall context in his life. Mm, I understand, but are there different levels of depression? So can someone be on level one, for example, and someone on level 10? Is there something like that? Or depression is depression? No, no. There are different levels. We do not call them levels. We don't have a name or a cluster for that. Okay. We see the frequency and the duration 
the frequency of the symptoms and the duration of the mood, let's say, or the symptoms that I mentioned before. And based on that, we try to establish in which degree the person is. For example, if we have like two weeks of such symptoms, we consider it normal if it's following a trauma or an activity or something that has impacted the person's life. But if this lasts for like more than a month or even for to five or to six months, then we have depression. Clinical depression, yeah. So it's normal to have all those feelings for a short period of time if something significant has happened in your life. But if this goes to longer periods of time, then it can be called depression. Mm -hmm. And there are also different types of depression. That we have the bipolar disorder or major depressive disorder is the, let's say, the primary type of depression where a person experiences alternating states of depression and mania, which is an abnormal elevation of mood or hypomania, which is also, let's say, an abnormal elevation of mood. In this cases, we say that the person is suffering from bipolar disorders. We have a major depressive disorder, which has severe symptoms that really disrupt the individual life, which has typically effects on appetite, sleep, work, and or the ability to enjoy any activity. And this type of depression can occur at any age and might occur only once in life or multiple times. Can someone be born with this or can this be hereditary? According to studies, no, but it can be modeled in the family. For example, if we have a parent who has like mental or cognitive schemas that are more directed towards negative thinking and not enjoying and uh, complaining, then we have a child which might model this type of response, which will increase the likelihood that later in life they will have depression or depressive episodes and states. I know someone whose mother has had and still has probably bipolar depression. And according to this person, they, they inherited it from the mother that's why they have it so that's how this this question came to me so it's not inherited but it's something that you can learn from a parent right when you are exposed to that over and over and over again Mm -hmm. yes we do not say learn from it but Mm -hmm. let's say the way our parent will shape our environment for us so if we are raised in an environment which is always depressed without any enjoyable activity, looking at situations and aspects of life in a negative life, of course, this will impact our perception of reality also. And this will increase the likelihood that we continue to maintain this type of environment and this type of thinking and schemas and way of approaching life. Okay. Are there any other types of depression? You mentioned two main types. Are there any other types? Yes. So we also have persistent depressive disorder, which involves symptoms that might last more than two years or even longer, which will be from time to time marked by episodes of major depression. Then we have the postpartum depression and psychotic depression and also the seasonal affective disorder. I think you might have heard of it, like depression before Christmas or before uh, spring, for example, which will develop under specific circumstances. And also maybe depression due to winter in Norway, we have a lot of that. Yes, seasonal. Seasonal, okay, a winter depression because the winters are so long and dark and cold. Mm -hmm. So that is also recognized as depression. 
seasonal affective disorder. How about depression connected to some events in your life that you just can't get over? Yes, it can develop also the postpartum depression or psychotic types of depression that can be developed under specific circumstances. For example, the postpartum it develops in women in the period of following childbirth. Yeah. And they have like a lack of interest in caring for the infant. And the science knows this, the doctors know yeah. this. And we, we from time to time expect that the, the new mother to somehow have postpartum depression. I know, right? I was asked that all the time. I still am asked that once in a while, but that was very common after I gave birth. I was asked if I had depression. I, I was actually very emotional. It was due to the hormones, the fluctuating of hormones after giving birth. And I was maybe lucky that I didn't get depression, but it's somehow expected. And you read about that so much online that at some point I was almost praying not to get it while I was pregnant. Do you think it is more visible online than it actually happens in reality? No, it usually happens. So it is common. Postpartum depression is common. It's very common, but it depends on the type of person because there are women who overpass it quickly and there are women who are more introvert and more emotional and more vulnerable and this period lasts longer. Oh, okay. But yes, at some level, people, every woman more or less has some kind yes, of depression yes, after yes. giving birth because your life mm-hmm. is totally changed. I mean, I understand that. Yes. And you are more vulnerable. You have more emotions. You feel emotions way deeper than you used to and you are more prone to analyze and more prone to overthinking Mm. Mm -hmm. so there isn't one specific cause no no there is no specific cause that makes it more difficult from my point of view at least Mm -hmm. because when we know what causes something then it's easier maybe to deal with it Mm -hmm. but since there is no single cause people who are more likely to experience depression are people that have had stressful life events which might have kick-started it habits of thinking negatively also or early traumatic experiences which may have made them vulnerable to depression we mentioned also the hereditary part they might be genes but the studies in that field are not so strong and they are not conclusive yes Mm. a strong evidence which will indicate that there are specific genes would make you more likely to develop depression or emotional problems. It's interesting because mm-hmm. I read from Bruce Lipton, he's a biologist and a scientist who practices psyche. I read that adopted children that don't know that they are adopted actually develop very similar diseases to their parents, thinking that it is hereditary, which means that maybe more disease than we believe is learned from the parents rather than hereditary. So I totally believe it's that. Modeled. Yes, it's modeled. It's modeled. Like, yes, that's the right word. So it's like the kid is actually modeling the parent. Yes. Then they can model any kind of depression the parent has had while the kid was growing up, right? If we continue on developing the Bruce Lipton, this line, let's say, mm-hmm. yes, yes, it might be that way. They might model it, but not always is like that. Yeah, okay. People develop depression, even if they had like a healthy family and healthy relationships and dynamics, they, at some point in life, they might get depression. We are all vulnerable to it, especially in this fast-paced life that we are living. It's the same with anxiety. Anxiety and depressions are the most major, let's say, 
disorders that we we face that derive directly from the stressful life that we do and the way we approach to all the events that happen in our life. Does it have anything to do with being disconnected from nature, being disconnected from our real self, or maybe just pushing ourselves to do stuff that we actually don't want to do, but we believe that we have to because of society or whatever? Can it be related to that? So yes, yes, that might also affect it, let's say, because if a person, for example, is very committed into working and providing for the family and providing economical support and believing that he or she has to be working, I don't know, two jobs and live on this very hectic life, let's say, and they disconnect from just being and just enjoying and staying in the nature and focusing on themselves and having some mindfulness time, let's say, and reflect, of course, it can, this type of life, it can and the disconnection from nature and from the self can also kickstart the depression. Wow, it can be a lot of reasons. What can we do about that? Okay, so from a psychological point of view, we can do psychotherapy, of course, and there are many effective psychological treatments, like, for example, the ACT, which is the acceptance and commitment therapy, which will work on accepting the situation and not overreacting to it. And we work with some mental schemas also. We have the cognitive behavior therapy, which works on the way we perceive and we react to our environment and we form our thoughts which will, of course, impact and affect the behavior. We have problem-solving therapy. The psychodynamic therapy might also help. Behavioral activation therapy. And lately, we have included also mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which has been shown also to prevent relapse in people who have recovered from depression. Amazing. Is there anything that someone can do on their own in case they are not ready to go to a psychologist, for example? This is a, I wouldn't say a tough question, but it's a strong one because usually people with depression do not intend to do anything to change the situation because they feel hopeless. Mm. So usually our family members will push them to come and seek professional help. If they are in the initial stages, they do reach out for help. What they might do is that try to activate themselves more, like engage in activities, like to go out, stay with people, interact with people, try to do some activities that they used to enjoy, start things slowly, slowly with baby steps. Because if they are in a, in a full depressive state, this would be difficult. They would like a lot of push from the outside environment. And sometimes they also need medical treatments. Yeah. So we go for antidepressants and other types. In order to get out yes, of that order. state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To work with the neurotransmitters and to work with serotonin also. Uh, yeah. To start feeling happier. And the low uh, hormones and everything else. So... There are understand. Um, medications, let's say, do the, the first step for us and then we are able to intervene because there are people, especially if they are in a full depression mode, that it's difficult for them to get out. They don't feel... But what can they do? So they basically, they need someone to tell them, yes. go to a psychologist, go and reach, mm -hmm. reach out or... Yes ask for help but the system support okay. is, is mm -hmm. very, very important 
the system of support, family members, friends, relatives, people who can push them to seek for help and to start helping themselves. And what if they just don't want to hear from the family or if they don't have a support system? In such cases, the situation gets more complicated. It depends also on the person. If it's a person who is more open-minded, that might start a bit of, I don't know, meditation or mm. to start changing their routine because they have like this very rigid routine, which is very, very poor as the routine is very poor because they don't do much. They just stay at home. There are times where they don't even wash themselves and they don't care of their hygiene and their body and only do the basic needs and that's it. But changing the routine a bit might help them getting out of this state, trying to make small activities, just maybe just going by the grocery stores or just taking a small walk, even for like five minutes in a park nearby or... Um, so small steps, small, steps. small changes and small steps. They enjoy, they enjoy. But getting out of the house is very important because you need to get into the community, you need to connect with people and the society. So this, this is like the hardest challenge that we face in trying to change the routine of patients that say with depression. Because they don't want to. It's a lot of resistance there. Yes, they feel hopeless too. Usually what this type of clients state is that why would I change? Like it's useless. There's no point in doing it. There's mm. no meaning in it. Why would so can it be about finding meaning in something? Mm -hmm. Doing something that gives them meaning? Yes. That gives meaning to their life? But what they usually state is that they cannot identify anything that will be meaningful for them. That's why I say that maybe we should start with some some small steps, just getting them to move. Do women suffer more than men? Okay, statistics say that yes, because it's thought that women do tend to suffer from depression more than men, but we cannot like fully state it, or that isn't to say that men do not suffer from the condition, but uh, women tend mm. to be more in touch with their feelings and they tend to be more sensitive than men. So that's why it's thought that they do suffer a bit more, and especially women under the age of 30. Isn't this sad that women that have all their life in front of them under the age of 30 suffer from depression? I just felt so sad mm -hmm. when I heard that. Mm -hmm. So there must be something really wrong with our society. And a depression is a condition which is difficult to treat, not because we do not have the tools, but because it depends so much on the on the client also. It depends on them. And there are moments, for example, I've had moments in therapy where I felt hopeless that I would be able to make a difference in my client's life. Okay. You have been in that place where yes. you think, because okay, I can't tried. make a change here. I tried, yes, I tried. Let's say almost every technique and, and try to do my best, but... There are times when you just don't succeed and you have to be patient with them because they need comfort. They need to feel like they are moving in a space that is safe for them and that will provide mm. the change they need. And what has happened in those cases or in one of the cases, at least, that you have worked with and that it felt like no, nothing no, was yes. working out? Yes, we made, we made minor changes and uh, mm. there are also times when I 
did work with psychiatrists in order to help them with medications. And uh, okay, these... so sometimes they have to go to medications. Because knowing you a little bit, I know that maybe you're not a big fan of medication, but no, sometimes no. you had to to go to yes. that. Okay, mm -hmm. and that helps. Of course, of course, they help. But aren't these medication really addictive? Addictive? Yes and no. What it means that when they are necessary, they are necessary, and that's it. But together, yeah. doing a common, doing, let's say, an interactive plan with the psychiatrist and the group of support, the family also, we get to have excellent results. It's the psychiatrist who lowers the doses as we progress with therapy and the client progresses, like getting out of this stage. So what they do is that they combine the medications and they lower the doses until the patient or the client is that's free. So it's not like the client will go on taking the pills for one year or two years. It might. It might. Depends on the client and the progress. It might. There are okay. cases when they have prolonged medical treatment with antidepressants. And is there any affirmations one can say that could help with depression? Okay. So I am worthy is one. I am my thoughts. I will get through this time of my life. Maybe I deserve to be happy. So, Joanna, any last messages for someone who is suffering from depression? Yes. So, the first thing is that asking for help, we need to remind them that asking for help is a sign of strength and not weakness. And even though they feel alone, we need to assure them that they are not alone, that you're here to help, you're there to help and willing and you care. So, we should encourage them to try with baby steps to get out in nature, to take small walks, and what's most important, to talk to the people they care, to talk to people they can confine with. Another thing which I would suggest is that to show them and offer support and find ways to encourage them to reach out to a professional. This is a condition that can be treated and can be cured. Depression is not something uncurable. So with the right help and with the right people, you can get out of it and you can overcome it. So this is very important for people with depression to know. We have to make sure to let them know that we can help and we can support and we can build a healthy ecosystem for them. That's really important, actually, to keep in mind that mm -hmm. they are not alone and it is a disease that is curable. Yes. And can you help people that are outside of Albania? Do you work online? Yes, I do work online. I'm not yet into social media platforms, but people can reach me out through my phone number. If and what need... is your phone number? <laughs> yes. So it's 355-69-48-26-118. Okay, in WhatsApp or something yes. online, right? Yes. And I hope you are soon coming with a website so that people can actually read about you before they, they contact you. What we else? are working on that, so it will be online soon. The website. Okay, that's amazing. Okay, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Ada, for inviting me. And I hope that we will reach out to as many people as we can so that we can also raise a bit of awareness in this topics and also reach out to people and help them out in, in some way, even lighting a sparkle to towards change and hope also. I hope so too. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Now it's your turn. Let us know what health and abundance subjects you want us to cover in the future. Do that by commenting on the post on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much to Joanna for being here with us today. If you liked it, please leave a review at podchaser.com. Just search for the podcast and write a good review. If you have questions or if you want to book a session with me, please do let me know on Instagram. The next episode is actually a double episode. I will be sharing the yoga and mindfulness program for depression and anxiety, as well as a yoga nidra. And remember, you are always creating your health and abundance. What do you choose to create today?